Bonjour, hello, and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the Aqua and Orange Show, your one-stop podcast for everything Miami Dolphins. I'm Justin Heyer, here with Nick Bellotto, and we've got a hell of a show for you today. It is smack dab in the middle of free agency. The legal tampering period, as they call it, opened yesterday as we're recording the show at noon, and the official start of the new league year is tomorrow. But as everyone knows, most of the signings, many of the big signings, are done before we even get to that point because agents are now allowed to agree to terms with teams for their players, and then it becomes official tomorrow on Wednesday. So the Miami Dolphins have been uh, relatively busy. Busier than some would think, not quite as busy as other fans would want, but we'll dive into all of that. We're going to start off the show, though, as we always do, with our fun trivia question. It is my turn this week. Nick, a bit of a... of a. I don't, I don't even give any sort of preamble because it might, it might give it away. Your trivia question for today, Nick. Who is the patron, the patron saint of Ireland? St. Patrick's. Yay, you got it. It was a layup this week. Yeah, that, a themed trivia easy. question for you. I'm like you. trying to embarrass you. You gotta, you gotta at least give me something. I, I, I know, but I saw it when I was looking for trivia questions, <laughs> and I was like, that'd be perfect. It's it, it's a themed question. It's a layup. It's a good question. I knew we had a lot to dive into for the show. Figured we'd go with nice a nice, easy layup for you there on the trivia question of the day, which means we get to dive right into free agency. So Love it. I'm going give, to give a bit of a rundown of what the Dolphins have done so far, and then I'll throw it to you and you'll break down what we have uh, up to this point. So Dolphins have made seven moves so far, uh, if we're not counting the earlier franchise tag on Mike Isecki, who has, by the way, signed his franchise tag. The moves thus far, they have re-signed Emmanuel Agba at a four-year, $65 million deal. That's a 16.25 average. Landon Roberts at a one-year, $3.25 million deal. And linebacker Duke Riley at a one-year, $3 million deal. Outside signings thus far, they've brought in Chase Edmonds, running back from the Arizona Cardinals, at a two-year, $12.6 million deal, 6.3 average. Offensive guard Connor Williams at a two-year, $14 million deal from over uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Also from the Cowboys, wide receiver Cedric Wilson at a three-year, $22.8 million deal. And special teamer, also a cornerback, Keon Crossan at a three-year, $10.5 million deal. Uh, again, all of these uh, contracts may or may not uh, indicate things the team might do with its own roster, still very much in flux over the next couple of days, couple of weeks. But in a vacuum, what do we think so far of the activity the Dolphins have had in free agency? So I feel like it's Miami playing it safer than I kind of wanted them to play it. Um, I was hoping at this point we'd have some kind of big splash free agent. And I know that's, you know, bitten us often in the last decade and a half, especially under uh, the front office that we currently have. But I don't know. I just felt like with all the cap money that they had, that they would make something splashy. And I, and when I say splashy, like I wasn't expecting them to go out and, you know, break the bank for like a Devonte Adams before he got tagged or, or something like, or a, or a JC Jackson or anything like that. I was thinking like, Hey, I would really like to see, um, one of those top offensive linemen come to Miami, uh, Armstead or uh, um, Tomlinson, right, who signed with the Jets, which actually drove me insane when I saw that. Um, 
So, uh, or, or like an Allen Robinson even, which, uh, you know, the first and third names I mentioned are still potentially out there, right? Um, so, I, so I thought we were going to get that, but with the moves they made, I'm actually pretty happy. I, you remember, I was very high on bringing back Agba. Um, so I think that's great. And now that, that eliminates what could have been a need. That eliminates what could have been a need for the uh, going into the draft. Um, you know, Connor Williams, I like a good a good uh, offensive lineman. Uh, from what I understand, you know, I didn't watch every single Cowboys game, but it has some penalty issues. So, but I don't think I think that's something that can be trained out of him, uh, especially if we have such a good um, we have a good offensive line coach. Um, so I, I like that a lot. I like the potential of Cedric Wilson. Um, and, but I think the biggest takeaway is keeping the band together, right? Spending the money to keep that defense as intact as you can keep it, um, which I think is going to be really big for this unit. So I'm really happy with keeping those guys, although I still would like to see something. I think, you know, as much as I like the potential of, of Wilson, I still think we need a, a, a receiver and offensive line doesn't – I don't feel like Connor Williams is going to fix our problems. Oh, and Edmonds. I do like Edmonds. I'm Ed, sorry. I totally yeah. – I do like Edmonds. I think uh, – I want to start with Connor Williams because it's been the most polarizing move that the team has made so far, at least amongst Dolphins Twitter. And there are a couple things to note there. You already hit one of them on the head. Connor Williams, way too many penalties. He was benched for that reason this right. season with the Dallas Cowboys. 15 penalties, way too many, led the NFL. Number two, by the way, was Austin Jackson. It seems oh, it's an upgrade. It's <laughs> it seems like Connor Williams' penalty issue uh, was kind of a one-year thing. He had never had more than six penalties in any other season with the Cowboys, and he started a lot of games for Dallas. Sure. That does not mean it's okay. It does not mean it could continue. And like you said, offensive line coach Matt Applebaum, Mike McDaniel, they're gonna have to coach that out of him. That being said, one of the things that seems to be at least somewhat frustrating to me is that, that seems to be overshadowing really everything, as everyone is evaluating Connor Williams as an acquisition, he was fifth, fifth in the entire NFL in pressures allowed, and like in a good way, fifth fewest pressures allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. of all guards in the NFL. He was yeah, 11th. worst. <laughs> the, yeah, no, the 11th ranked uh, run blocker for pro football by pro football focus in terms of offensive guards as well. So the blocking, the most important thing for a lineman, he's pretty good at it at least if you look at the metrics. Now, a lot of Cowboys fans will tell you that some of the biggest moments he would get bulldozed over. If you watched the San Francisco game uh, last year, San Francisco and and Dallas, there were times during that game, which was obviously a huge game for the team, where he did not look great. So Connor Williams has had what I would call, it's a little bit of inconsistency. It is not a home run signing for Miami. He's not the world's best guard. That's why they got him at a two-year, $14 million deal. But if you look at the metrics, a lot of that potential for such a young guard is there. Yeah. Pretty stout, way better than any of Miami's current linemen in pass protection. And if you look at the metrics, also better in run blocking. So an upgrade for Miami at guard. There's some questions as to whether he might play tackle, might play guard. He played tackle in college, played guard in the NFL. My guess is they keep him at guard because it sounds like they're still looking for tackle help. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, you touched on Cedric Wilson there as well someone that a lot of Cowboys fans really liked because when they had injury issues on that Cowboys wide receiver course, Cedric Wilson did step up. If you look at the market for wide receivers, oh my God, Christian Kirk's deal in yeah. Jacksonville, 
The yeah. market for wide receivers is exploding, and Miami got Cedric Wilson, who has a lot of potential. Go watch some of some of his tape um, at, at a pretty reasonable deal, three years, twenty-two plus million. So, I uh, I like that signing. Chase Edmonds, I want to spend a little bit of time with you on this one. Uh, you said you like Chase Edmonds. What were your overall thoughts on giving him six point three million dollars a year? It's a lot. I mean, so I, I was actually I was going to jump in and say that for the most part, I actually like a lot of the contracts they're showing out too. Because I don't think they really overpaid for anybody except potentially Edmonds. Um, that might be the only situation where they might have overpaid, probably did overpay. Um, I, I think he is going to be an upgrade over what the team has. Uh, I think he's better than Gaskin. As much, I, and I like Gaskin. I've, I've tried to make to defend him. I like Gaskin. Um, I, but he's definitely better than Ahmed, um, you know, and any other running back that is on that roster. Uh, but six million for a running back is a lot, um, especially when you do need more offensive linemen. You do not, you do not have enough offensive linemen, especially considering that some might not be there starting tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I think they overpaid there. Um, but if he can come in and kind of finally give us quality RB one production, then we're not going to worry about the cost, you know, mid season. Exactly. And I'm not, I, I do not think Chase Edmonds is going to be a bell cow. He's never been that in his career. And I think right. he's a little too slight to be the 20, 20 to 25 carry uh, a week guy. But the, the contract in per year dollars, I understand is uh, towards the higher end of the range. I think it's 12th in the NFL right now, 11th or 12th. Uh, but Chase Edmonds, that deal, it's only the first year that's guaranteed. So if they, if they need to move on next year, they're not going to owe him all that $6 million next year. And he's been one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL. Tops, I believe it was top 10 in uh, um, rushes that turn into uh, first down conversions or touchdowns. 4.7 yards per carry career average, 5.1 yards per carry last year. is tremendous, tremendous. One mm -hmm. of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. And what I think is most important is he fits Mike McDaniel's scheme. Right. Mike McDaniel's already mentioned that he's bringing that zone scheme, that zone running scheme to Miami. Chase Edmonds is that one cut and burst go kind of runner. He is fast. His acceleration is fast. Go watch a couple of his games in Arizona and dude flies right out of the gate. This is not someone who needs like a runway, like a, like a bulldozing running back. He's, he's got that one cut and go. I think he's going to fit really nicely in the system and, lot of nice trick play gadgetry you could do with him too because of his ability to catch the football to do all kind of different things with the ball in his hands so i understand the hesitancy that a lot of people have with paying running backs it's not like they're giving him some five-year 60 million dollar deal this is this is a relatively reasonable deal um so it's funny when you look at most of these deals it's almost like there's a little bit of hesitancy with some of them but most of them in general i like most of these I would grade out as like a B. Most of these, most of these contracts, but we'll get into grading the whole thing uh, once we get to our Q and A Except segment. Agba. Except, Except Agba. Agba. I, I really, Except I really Agba. think that they got him That's for a, a good deal. Um, yeah. I, you know, considering what pass rushers go for, and considering how important he was to this team, because you and I, we, I mean, we've talked about it so many times. If you don't keep your own, trying to replace a guy from somebody else who might not fit perfectly, it usually backfires, right? Yeah. So I think that even if they spent a little bit more for a guy who isn't did not have double digit sacks, right? Two years in a row didn't have double, right? Two years ago, it was nine had, each year, nine each. Yeah, year. it was nine each year. So um, not double digit sack guy, but he he does literally everything else that you want, right? And yeah. with the continued emergence of Jalen Phillips 
and Christian Wilkins. I think this year you're going to see potentially more. Um, I, I think that is an A. The rest of it, again, I think is I, – I see nothing wrong with anything there except, like we said, maybe a little bit of the the Edmonds stuff. Because Edmonds, you know, you, you brought up those numbers. I mean, like you said, he, he hasn't been a featured back. So the sample size is a little bit smaller than you would expect for somebody uh, maybe making that kind of money. But I still think it was a good decision overall, especially considering what kind of um, running back room you have. Now, I don't think that that – and I don't know if we're going to talk about this at some point today – uh, I don't think that that should shy Miami should then shy away from taking a back in the draft. I still think that no. needs to be a target. Um, no. But uh, yeah. I think it, I think it's I think if you take him Gaskin and another, that's a very serviceable set of weapons that you can use. For sure, and I think a bigger running back is what they're going to want to look for. Someone who could do yeah. some other early downs or goal uh, goal line because Edmonds isn't this is a bruiser. But uh, let's not also misconstrue it. And someone who might anyone who might not have been watching any Arizona games or keeping up with at the fantasy football it's not like chase Edmonds is a scat back who gets three or five carries a game he carried the ball 116 times last year yeah and that's having missed some games too so they did True. use him he is certainly capable of, of being a early down runner too uh if you need him to be he's not just a third down guy uh so it's not right. like miami paid six million for someone who they're only going to use you know once or twice a drive this <laughs> is someone who can who can lead drives too um the ogba deal you mentioned you were mentioning there with the sack numbers it's also worth noting that he was tops in the NFL right up there. I believe it was top five in pressures over pressure, the last couple yeah. of years. And you and I have talked about many times the, the misconception people have between sack numbers and overall production. Uh, it's not always a direct correlation. It's often not a direct correlation. Good against the run too. good exactly. situational awareness. I think for me, the biggest thing with Ogba is that he knows when he's not going to get to the quarterback. So he throws his hands in the air. And I know yeah. that's like a, that's something I, I would be interested to see how many batted balls he has. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but that's like that's an important statistic, yeah. right? That if your defensive line is impacting a, a, a pass while it's in the air, that's a, that's a good thing to have. So for sure, he just he's got a good head for the game, and I, I I'm glad I'm really really glad that they brought him back. Really glad. And I want to get into now that we've hit a little bit on every deal the our overall perception of what we've done so far, just like from a, a much larger scope bird's eye view scale but we're going to save that for a sec because that that we'll get to our, our first q a question is going to ask us about that so we'll get to that in just a second in the meantime let's do a little bit of where we are now so the dolphins have came into this free agency with one of the top teams in cap space they're now per over the cap.com at 26 million i don't believe over the cap is yet factored in with that number Atlanta roberts duke riley or keon cross and the special teamer which would account for mm -hmm. a, about $9 million, depending on how those deals are structured for this year. So the number's probably a little bit under 20 But a lot of room, a lot of room to make more room if the Dolphins want to clear up some cap space, which I imagine they do, given the fact that NFL Network's Cam Wolf is reporting the team is still looking for offensive line help, particularly in the tackle market, potentially with Tron Armstead, potentially with trading for Lyle Collins. So a lot of room. Let's run down the list. We're going to play a little bit of a game. Play a little bit of the game. I'm going to list out the players that are potential cap casualties that could uh, clear up significant space without making a huge dead money dent. And you're going to tell me stay or go. Should the That's team? That's it. Stay or go. No, no color to it. Just you can give go? color. This is this is okay. this is our okay. show. We can make our own rules as we go, Nick. You can okay. give some 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 color commentary. So okay. let's run through these cap casualties. Uh, Again, the stipulation here was not a huge dead money hit 
if we cut them, but the Dolphins can still save significant money if they do let these guys go. So we're going to start with which the one that I think is going to be the most controversial. Safety Eric Rowe, the Dolphins could take on, on just $500,000 in dead money while clearing up $4.5 million in cap savings if they let Eric Rowe go. So it's, it's, it's a good thing you said yes, I can add stuff to it. Because I think if you can get him to restructure, maybe stretch out the deal a little bit, restructure so it's a much lower cap it, you keep him. If he says no, gone. Interesting. So I, I think I tend to agree. If he says no, though, I, I'm, I'm actually, I like the idea of restructure. I'm actually going to lean towards keeping him because the secondary is the strength of this team. Now, the problem, the problem that you see here is that Javon Holland is going to be starting and playing every snap. Brandon Jones is probably going to be playing nearly every snap. Nick Needham was just brought on the second round tender. He's staying for sure as the starting nickel Which corner. is incredible, by the way. Which is incredible. to get a second round tender. Good for you, Needham. Good for you. Unbelievable. He's been one of the best yeah. nickel corners in the NFL over the last year or so. So uh, maybe maybe I'm changing my answer now because that 4.5 million. If that 4.5 million is the difference between bringing in another lineman and not, then yeah, you might have let him go. It's just so frustrating when you have a vet in who you know is a starting quality guy, and is not a huge cap hit. 4.5 million is not a not a huge cap hit. Not at all. So it's 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 a tough one. Uh, of all of the guys that. Uh, I think this will probably be the, the the toughest one because Eric Rowe has been has been a really solid player for the Dolphins over the past couple of years. It's just that they now have younger guys who are ready to take that that spot. So that'll be a really interesting one to track. I, I'm gonna I do like the restructure there though. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your answer on that. Um, so let's go to the the one that I think is probably gonna be your easiest answer. Offensive tackle Jesse Davis. Goodbye. Money later. hit. Bye, bye, Jesse. And 3.7. Uh, Actually, in no, no, games. thank you for playing. You just made it much harder for everyone else to play. You know what's, you know what's so bothersome for me about Jesse yeah. Davis? I remember, I think it might have been when we first started doing this show. Yeah. We were talking about him, and we were saying, you know what? There's potential there. There's potential there. It's just we didn't interpret. We were reading the tea leaves, and we interpreted that as positive potential. But it was actually uh, game-ruining potential that we misread. And I'm over it. If he is not cut tomorrow, then uh, Chris Greer should be fired. There it that is. That is a bold take. Do you that disagree is. with me? I, I I don't think Jesse Davis has a, has a place on this roster anymore. Say the, it. Say it. He should be fired. Say it. I, I I'm not I'm not gonna go that far, but but I will. He's, a, he's worse than backups. I so. I don't think he should be. I don't think. I don't think he has a place on this roster anymore. He just. He was one of the worst linemen in the NFL. The fact that they could save money by cutting him and bring in another lineman who would probably be a similar price or use that money to go get a star. I just. To me, this is the easiest one on the list. I don't see. I don't see how this is even a question in their mind. Really, I'm not really sure what the holdup is. My guess is they're going to make most, if not all, of their cap casualty cuts tomorrow, right mm-hmm. before the start of the new league year. Uh, is probably the only reason they haven't done it yet because they haven't really made any cuts so far up till this point. So I am all with you there. Jesse Davis is uh, is, is a go. For I will me. be very upset if he is still on this team. I just I if I'm gonna be very upset because it just shows that like really you're not why. paying attention. I wouldn't you, really it, know why. Yeah, it makes no sense. So okay, yeah, we're in the same boat. Chris Greer should be fired. Other side of the line, defensive tackle Adam Butler, zero money, dead, hit 4.1 million in potential cap savings. 
I would probably, mm, I would probably see him go because uh, I think that money could be used somewhere else. I don't think Butler made uh, that big of a difference, really. Um, that's money that you know you might be able to use for maybe not even this year, but you know Christian Wilkins is going to be up for a new contract too, and that might be some money that you want to throw his way. So um, I know I know that's like you know. Taken from so one carries to over if you don't use it. Yeah, yeah. So like, but for me, I think I think you can. I don't think Adam Butler did anything to to really keep him. Good rotational piece, but the fact that they have Wilkins and Davis and Sealer, uh, I'm leaning go as well. Again, that four point one million, I think, could be used. All my mind keeps going to if they can get Teron Armstead, if they can get Lyle Collins, if they can get another big name guy on the offensive line that sure. that's, that's where you're looking. Bradley Bozeman is still out there. One of the top centers on the market and the team right now, like I, I know I said about 17 million in cap space, but let's not forget the dolphins need to keep some of that space for the draft. They need to keep some yeah. of that space for in-season signings. It's not like they can bring themselves down to zero uh, once the new league year starts. So Trent Brown still out there. Eric Fisher still out there. Morgan Moses still out there. There, there are quite a few guys that they could bring in yeah. on the offensive line. So in my mind, it's okay. Let's save as much possible because that is clearly the biggest need on the team at the moment. Defensive tackle, not so much. So I am right aligned with you there. Wide receiver Alan Hearns, four hundred thousand dollar dead cap hit, two point six ish million cap space if he's out. That's another one that I think I think he can go. Um, that that and I think that's another one that's connected to literally what you just said. Um, you you need money somewhere for something, and that I feel like that's going to be better used for that uh, that contingency emergency situation than to keep it with with him. I think I think it's a mistake to to let him to let him stay in the roster. It's it's also a factor of well, you have Waddle and Parker. And you just sent Cedric Wilson, and you brought Preston Williams back. Actually, we uh, missed that was one of the re- he resigned as well. Yeah, Preston just Williams. recently. Um, and Lynn Bowden is still on this roster as well. You're potentially going to be drafting one or two guys. Potentially going to be bringing in a couple of uh, undrafted free agents at the position. The Dolphins love to mine the the wide receiver spot for undrafted free agents. And there are a bunch of guys who they brought in on futures contracts. You look at River Craycraft. And a couple of others, there was uh, um, from the CFL, Devontae Dedman, who they brought in. It's not like there's no one else to fill that spot. And they're all way cheaper. So uh, in terms of the yes. wide receiver six spot or wide receiver five spot, I'm sorry, Alan Hearns, I think, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Take that 2.575 and put it somewhere else. Here's one that I, I probably would have leaned keep, but may have changed due to recent signings. Safety and special teamer Clayton Fajedalum. I, he's been on yes, the team I, for a little while I, now. Yes. No one knows how to pronounce that name. Clayton F, zero money, dead cap hit, 2.775 in cap savings if he's out. Nope. Nope. And next, that my, my, my thinking is Keon Crossan is the next Clayton. So that, Right, exactly. I feel like you just was. got him, so you don't need another one. You don't need to – that's a lot of – I think it's a lot of kind of big money locked up in special teams to have two guys at that kind of a cap hit personally tight end fullback special teamer seathan carter zero money dead cap at 2.5 in cap savings another one i think i think the ones that there's no um there's no hit uh i, I think that's those guys should go that, uh, inclu- just that includes greg little too who we're about to get to 
Right, um, which is not – again, yeah. I feel like he didn't – if he wasn't good enough to start over the guys that were terrible, you should – like, no. Last one, tight end Adam Shaheen. Dolphins currently have Mike Gusecki, Hunter Long, Stephen Carter, who you just let go at the position. Shaheen is a $1.8 million cap savings. I'm keeping Shaheen. Uh, I think he's I'm a good blocker. Okay. I'm keeping him. I think he's a good blocker. He – if if because we haven't resigned Durham Smythe yet, so if we don't have Durham Smythe, I think we need to keep Shaheen because you can't. Gasicki is not going to give you anything in the blocking game, um, or not enough in the blocking game. He can, so I would rather I'd keep him. I think that's I think that's a smart way to spend that one point. What is it? One point four million, um, one point eight million. I think that's a smart way to spend it. So let's just do a quick, a quick little overview. Where else now with what we've done in free agency, the guys that you're cutting there, I'm assuming you're on the same page here. It's offensive line. That's that's still where you're looking with the oh, rest yeah. of this cap space. Oh, okay. yeah. Offensive line. Um, and, offensive line. And if you can get – I still think uh, – I, I still feel like we need another receiver, especially, you know, because I don't, I I don't trust Preston Williams. Um, I don't – to stay healthy – I don't trust Devontae to stay healthy for a full season. And that sucks because I really like Devontae Parker. Um, but I think I think Waddle, as, as good as he is, and again, the potential that Wilson has, I think it's wonderful. Um, but I, it would not bother me if Miami were to go and get a, a, a top receiver that might be left. I don't know. Outside of Allen Robinson, I'm not 100% sure who's left. Because um, you got to take, like, uh, what's-his-face off of that um, – Odell because he's you know he's not going to play for you next season um so for me I would like to see another wide receiver but I also am not giving them Christian Kirk money like no it's not happening no and the guys that are still out here my guests aren't going to go for that kind of money there are quite a few names Juju Smith-Schuster Jarvis Landry was cut by Cleveland although it doesn't sound like he's going to be coming Miami's way Traquan right. Smith, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You go with some vets in A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton, or Emmanuel Sanders, Jamison Crowder. Uh, Sammy Watkins is still out there. So there are a lot of vets that are still out there that my guess are going to play on one- to two-year deals uh, and probably not for Christian Kirk that money. Yeah, not having it. No, at least from me, it would not be that kind of money. So let's get into our Q&A here. If you want to ask us questions, make sure to be following us on Twitter so that you can send in questions before we go on the show. I'm at Hire Justin, Nick's at OSO6446, and we've got a couple of really good ones that allow us to dive a little bit more into some of our free agency thought process. So first one here is from at the great Finsby. Excellent handle there. Wonderful. What do you grade this free agency process so far? I'd say B minus because we've only signed one lineman. If we draft a center or uh, look for Treader, a tackle, Collins or Moses, it's an A plus to me. That's all from the great Finsby. Nick, how do you grade this free agency process so far? A B. I'm not – I mean, because I agree. I think that there is no major splash in the offensive line, and that's where the money needs to be spent. Uh, yeah, I think a B is fair. B minus, I think Agba, the Agba signing, just really knocks up everyone else's grade. And I don't think they did anything. If you look at every single signing they made, I don't think there's anything that would be under that B average um, or a B minus at worst. Um, so, for me, it's a B. B is about where I'm landing to, maybe closer to B minus, really because if Ogbo wasn't on this list and that was a re-sign technically before but the legal term would be open, it would be much lower. So, and I have a little caveat to this answer. If this is how we're left, 
if we're done with free agency, that grade tanks to me. Oh, to big C, time. 100 minus. So if like if if I'm saying this is our free agency grade and we're done and on to the draft, it is not a B. It is much, 100%. much lower because if this is the state of the offensive line heading into the draft, the, we have big problems. Big, big, big problems. And again, I, I'm I, I think I'm a little bit more positive outlook here on the Connor Williams signing uh, than than even others. And I'm still saying that if this is the state of our offensive line heading into the draft, big, 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 big problems. So yeah. I'll say I, I'm totally with you. Be be with a very, very, very large asterisk that is the Dolphins need to land either one of the big guys like Teron Armstead, Lyle Collins. Or if not one of them, then maybe several of the next tier. Morgan Moses did a great job with the Jets at right tackle. I already mentioned Trent Brown, which is a bit of a high-risk signing. Eric Fisher still out there. Bradley Bozeman, I'm shocked, is still on the market at center. Someone who played really well for the Ravens last year. The Dolphins, I think, should be looking at him as well. So BB- minus with a very, very large asterisk that this tanks to a CC- minus if the Dolphins do not get one at the big, I, it almost seems like they've taken a bit of a risk here, Nick, because it seems like they've saved some of their money that they could have invested into other alignment who have signed, particularly mm-hmm. on the interior. You look at Brian Allen, uh, Austin Corbett, James Daniels, guys that I know a lot of fans are really excited about to potentially get to Ron Armstead, who they seem to have been gunning for. And for a lot of reports have been really interested in. Now it sounds like Armstead may be leaning going back to the Saints if they land a certain quarterback in the trade market. So, <laughs> a certain quarterback, a certain quarterback. You know, it, and it seems like a lot of free agents are waiting to see where Deshaun Watson ends up before they make their their spot. I actually believe that there were a couple of reports that came out that came out relatively recently um, that said that that is the case. That mm-hmm. um, yeah, here uh, uh, Aaron Wilson of uh, of Pro Football Network is saying that uh, that. Players on the market are, are waiting to see where if Deshaun Watson is going to New Orleans to potentially uh, land there. So, you know that 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 could change a lot of things. And if Armstead goes back to New Orleans and the Dolphins are sort of left hanging, they better gun hard for Lyle Collins or a couple of these other guys, or it's, it's there's some problems uh, on that line. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I, I if they're done, it's a problem. But I, I feel like I feel like I'm seeing. Like if we're reading the tea leaves again, I feel like it's more likely for them to make a move for Collins um, than to sign one of those big tackles at this point. Personally, well, and that that would still be, I believe, a big win. Collins, huge you know, win. Collins was one of the better right tackles in the NFL when he's been on the field, and that's to his blind side. So if you get Lyle Collins and you have Robert Hunt and you have Connor Williams and you make you know the rest of these guys, Liam Eikenberg, uh, you know, battle it out for that left tackle spot. Maybe they can patch up center as well, though Michael Dieter was not a huge problem for the team necessarily. Uh, mm. Then, then that's a much better spot where the team was uh, team was in before. Couldn't so we're, we're, we're talking O-line. You might as well go to our next question that talks about the O-line. It's at Amandela O asks, why does Greer always bargain shop for offensive linemen? Most money in draft picks for three years. What gives? What yeah. gives, he asks you, Nick. I mean, I think, I think that's a fair question if I'm being totally honest, because it it hasn't worked and it hasn't worked for a long time. It's, it's, I think it's time to move away from that Uh, because, you know, and and I think there are certain positions where you can get away with bargains. Um, But I think the trenches are not those positions, Uh, both sides of the ball. I think they're not those. I, I think there's more failure stories than there are success stories. Obviously every once in a while, 
somebody outplays the one-year deal that they signed to, right? But it's it's more unlikely than it is not. I, I agree. I think it's a mistake for him to consistently only focus on, um, on, on bargain players for the trenches because the trenches make or break your game, period. It doesn't matter what side they make or break it. That's where all – that's where the majority of your money should be put in. Now, some people will argue other positions across outside of quarterback, right? Other positions. But if you don't have a secure front line, doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You and I have talked about that millions of times. So the fact that they haven't, I mean, they've invested draft picks, right? Right. It's just, they've, they've not panned out. And if you are not good at evaluating offensive line talent, at a certain point, you need to acknowledge that and go get the guy who you know is already good, right? You see that happen a lot of the time with other teams, right? And the Rams kind of popularize it. You know who's good, go get him, right? If you Absolutely. know Taron Armstead is good, go get him. Just like I'm going to quote you here, the offensive line, yes. the trenches are not where you should be bargain shopping. That's just it's it's not it's the last spot of your team, maybe other than quarterback, that you should be throwing things against the wall and hoping it sticks because especially with the offensive line, it almost never works. And your never. whole offense runs through your offensive line. If you have a terrible offensive line, unless you have one of the future hall of famer, superstar elite quarterbacks, the quarterback's not going to be able to cover up a really bad offensive line. And I completely agree with, uh, with our question asker here. It's I, I, what gives Hopefully we see over the next couple of days that that trend is going to change because the Dolphins desperately need some stability and some stellar play on that offensive line. And you often have to pay big bucks for stellar play on the offensive line in the NFL. JC Treader's out there, Theron Armstead's out there, Lyle Collins is out there, Bradley Bozeman's out there. Go get those guys. Somebody. Go get those guys and patch up that offensive line. And it seems like the fact that they're going after hard for Theron Armstead, the, the lesson is being learned, but you actually have to follow through and, and, and nab one of those guys if it's going to make a difference come game day on Sunday. So we will see. We will see over the next 24 to 48 hours if the Dolphins are able to land one of those guys. There's absolutely competition. That's already been reported that New England's interested in Lyle Collins. It's already obviously reported that Armstead may or may not be staying in um, – uh, uh, that Armstead may or may not be staying in New Orleans. So um, we got to make a move. See. And and, I'll, and I, you know, we, we talked about quarterback being uh, up on that list, right? High on that list. I would argue that it's more, it's more probable for you to win a Super Bowl with a mediocre quarterback than it is with a mediocre offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I, rather I, have them. I would rather have, a mediocre quarterback and the best offensive line of football, uh, with with a that the running back who's somewhat competent, than the most elite quarterback in the game and the offensive line that we had last year. Because no, and you and I talked about this. No quarterback would have been able to survive that offensive line and lead this team to victories. It was just not possible. The only the only um, exception to that rule that we've seen recently is Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, who you know helped lead a very poor offensive line to the Super Bowl, but even the Cincinnati offensive line had some, had some strong players. And I believe pro football focus had them as the 20th ranked offensive line. Not that that one ranking is, is, is the be all end all. And they certainly had some big problems there because he was sacked so often their interior was so poor, but um, you really don't see an exception to the offensive line rule very often. You have to have 
the very, 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 very best of the very, very best. And and, and it continue Patrick Mahomes, best of the best, right? Gets wrecked in that Super Bowl because he didn't have an offensive line. Right. Joe Burrow. In that case, because they were all because hurt. he doesn't have an right. offensive yes. line. Well, it, but, yeah. but still, it, that's but the rule still I mean, stands. Exactly. You still have a poor offensive line. Your quarterback ain't going to do nothing. I don't care who it is. While we've been recording, by the way, one more small free agent move from the Dolphins. Sam Iguavuin has been brought back. Oh, cool. To to uh, help reinforce that linebacker. It looks like the linebacker unit's going to be very much the same as it was last year. Unless they go get Bobby Wagner. Unless they go get Bobby Wagner, Miles Jack, or potentially a lot of fans freaks out about Devin Lloyd if he falls to 29. And Jack, Jack's interesting, too, because uh, there were many reports that we were interested in Miles Jack. Uh, following the, the whatever 2016 draft it was, yep. that was the year that he tore his something. Um, yes, and the year they drafted Xavier Howard in the second round instead, when Jackson which worked Hill out took pretty well, round, which did so. I'd, I'd say the Dolphins still came away from that one okay, 100%. but a chance to maybe get both on the same defense. Now, let's go to our next question here from at Finn Fanny repeat question. We appreciate Finn Fanny. You asking a question again here on the show. If we were to acquire, what would uh, the likes of a LaVisca Chenault look like in Mike McDaniel's offense, Debo Samuel 2.0 or something different? Wow. That would be an interesting, that would be an interesting play because he's exceptionally young. And there have been um, reports that Jacksonville is potentially shopping him after giving a boatload of money. To Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. So I I, I love Chenault's potential. I, I think that in a in an offense that was borderline anemic last year, except for the, when they played Miami, um, you know he was able to really show a lot of quality potential. If Miami could go out and get him, uh, I think for me, I think that would at least for the moment pause my concern about the wide receiver room because I think that now you've got three players with incredible potential in Waddle. Um, uh, names escaping me, but it's on the list. I know it is. I'm just going to scroll up. Uh, Wilson and Chenault. Um, if if Miami could make a play, I think that he could be a dangerous weapon in this offense. I think it would be a great move to sacrifice a mid to late round pick, depending on what they want for him for Chenault. I'd be very comfortable with that. Like if they say give us a fourth rounder, I would do that. And I, I think that with like you've touched on here, like was also touched on the question, Mike McDaniel's creativity would mm-hmm. make, would, would absolutely accentuate LaVisca Chanel's strengths. Debo Samuel 2.0, I think is unfair expectations for anyone, Agreed. but Chenault is very dangerous with the ball in his hands. Chenault is very athletic. Chenault does have a lot of potential, very high ceiling if used properly, which doesn't really seem like he's been used properly so far in Jacksonville. Both of them, I believe, second-round picks. There are some similarities here. I'm not saying, again, don't think the expectation of Debo Samuel 2.0 is fair, but I would certainly be all for that move. And like you said, there does seem to be maybe a little bit more room to cement the foundation of this wide receiver room. So, like you said, mid-round pick, I'm all in for that as well. Send it away. Yeah, no, uh, no questions asked. Some more free agency news. It's fun when we're doing shows when there's free agency news. The Ravens are adding offensive tackle Morgan Moses. That's another tackle off the board. One of the first uh, tackles off the board because it seems like the whole market, the tackle market in particular, not necessarily the offensive line market because a lot of the interior guys have signed, but the tackle market's been waiting for Toronto Armstead. Veteran Morgan Moses says, no, I'm going to go over to the Baltimore Ravens. He signs 
a three-year, $15 million deal. That was reported by Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Dolphins got to make some moves if they want to secure that tackle spot because the, uh, the roster of available guys is going to be dwindling. I've got a special request question here for you, Nick. This one is not from Twitter, but from my little brother. Andrew asks, should the Dolphins permanently switch to their retro logo and uniforms? No. No? No. Um, uh, you might be in the minority here of Dolphins, I, of, of, of Dolphins fandom that says no. I think one of the reasons that it's so special is because we don't see it all the time. And I think if you take it out every single time, it's going to lose some of what makes it awesome. Now, do I think maybe it's time for a rebrand? Not necessarily opposed to that. Um, but I think if you break out the retro every single week, it's going to lose the fun of it and the excitement of it. I don't believe so. Interesting. Okay, that's fair. I don't think I agree. I think the retro uniforms are You're absolutely to be wrong. gorgeous and would love to see them every week. I really would. So... I, I'm I'm gonna go with why not? I, I guess you gave me a why not, but I'm gonna go with yes. I'm gonna say that the I Dolphins. Just, it, I think the I, reason I like one it of the so best much logos is, in the one of the best uniforms rather in the NFL, especially when it comes to the throwbacks. Have you seen the Packers? What the heck is that? Um, yeah, but they don't have great throwback uniforms. The Dolphins do. That's true, but I but I, I just think there's something there's something awesome about being able to see that like two or three times a year and you just get excited about it because they're wearing that logo and you like it so much. I think if you, I, I think if you standardize it and make it all the time, I think it's going to lose some of the magic of it. Okay. And it's not saying I don't love it. Cause I love that. I love it so much. I just, I just worry. It's like, you know, it's people aren't going to like it as much. Okay. All right. So uh, here's a, an interesting one for you here. There is a segment of dolphins fandom, uh, certainly on Twitter, certainly in some of the group chats that I'm in with, with friends from back home, that feels as though the fact that the Dolphins have not landed a top-tier offensive lineman so far. In general, this free agency is an absolute mess. One of those questions here is along those lines. At David underscore Johnson 41 asks, why did this go so poorly? And then he goes on to say, can we get an autopsy on, on, on this free agency? How do you respond to that kind of, that kind of sentiment here? Well, I would ask, I would ask what... What would you acknowledge? What are you saying went so poorly? Uh, you got a, a good pass rusher who fits your scheme well. You you brought back your three linebackers that you need to play defense, right? Um, you are potentially working you, like the, the money that we have is not as free as you think it is, right? Kasiki's going to want a long term deal. Xavier is getting restructured and potentially going to get more money. Wilkins is up for another deal next year his uh, a second deal next year uh you know if, if Tua pans out and he actually plays really well you might want to get a little bit of a jump on re-signing him I know there's a lot of ifs with that one but the potential exists there you can't just dump every single dollar into free agency now I was also critical saying we haven't made a big splash yet I thought we would um and the offensive line is specifically an area where you have I, I would have liked to have seen a splash uh taking place but you and I both know that putting all of your money into one player doesn't always work out too, right? So I think in terms of like the autopsy side of things, I think Chris Greer is being cautious about dumping all of his eggs into one basket, right? Because then you're kind of stuck with a guy who might not be living up to that contract potential. Now, I don't believe he should be going bargain uh, hunting all the time. I would have liked to see him make a play. 
But if we're trying to get into the mindset of Greer, I think that's where we can kind of play it out saying he's not, he's not trying to set himself up for failure when he has to go sit down with Christian Wilkins is like, Oh, I don't have any money for you. Sorry. And I also would say that we're not done yet. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah. The new league year hasn't even started yet. There are several guys still out there. And like we both acknowledged, if if the Dolphins do not get another high profile offensive lineman or a it's lot a more support in general on the line, it's a huge mistake. And a lot we can say a lot will have gone wrong. But nothing. What what has gone wrong so far? I mean, neglecting the offensive line. It, it's I but, don't think it's but, so much an indictment of the deal so far versus neglecting of the offensive line. Yeah, but you're not you're not necessarily out on any of the the major yes. players. Armstead yeah. is still available, right. um, which uh, Sheriff is the only one that really I would say is like a top guy that you didn't get right. Uh, Brown is available, uh, who he was pretty good. Um, Al uh, Collins is still available. Al Collins is very good, and he's not even a free agency uh, free agent. Um, you know, Norwell is somebody who's out there too uh, that potentially could be an option who's pretty solid. Um, it's not over yet. Just because, you know, we didn't make a big splash yet doesn't mean it's not one coming or two. There isn't other moves that we're looking at because a big splash could be going to get you L. Collins and they might just be waiting till the league year starts to announce it. So wait and see. Patience is the is the yeah. underlying message here. We'll see. We'll Talk see. to me after the draft. Then we got a problem. Let's go to our last one here. Why is no one talking about Free agent right tackle Tom Compton. He was great last year in McDaniel's offense. I mean, jump on this one here and just say, uh, yes. No. But was well, so <laughs> that was funny. Good, good in McDaniel's offense, but also backup. Backup, I believe, was a plug and play I, when there were injuries. So I looked up. I looked up his his time as because he's he's bounced around the league a lot. This Tom yes. Compton fellow, journeyman, uh, what you'd call kind of as what you'd call him. Um, he played for San Francisco for two years, 33% of the staff his first year, slightly above half last year with 52%. Yeah. For me, I mean, that that's, that's why fine. no one's talking about it, right? There's that's your answer because he's – and he started, what, seven games for them? Let me, let me scroll up seven games. Could, could be some good veteran journeyman depth Decent backup, uh, for this sure, team. That's why no one's talking about him. You ask why because – There are other it, names. Yeah, there are more important names to be discussing. All righty. Um, that does it for our Q&A section. Again, thank you very much to everyone who submitted questions here. I didn't even shout that last one out. That was at 8 and 8 for life on Twitter. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone here who came on and asked questions. If you want your questions answered on the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Again, at HireJustin, at OSO6446, so that we can get you in for our Q&A segment, give you an answer, give you a shout-out on the show. We always appreciate engaging with you guys. So that brings us to... Nearly the end of our show, but we still have everyone's favorite segment left. It is the wild card question of the day where we ask non-football related, fun, sometimes thought-provoking, sometimes just wonky bonkers kind of questions, <laughs> and we see where it goes. It is Nick's turn this week to bring in a question. I know we, we talked about it before the show. This is going to be an on-the-fly kind of thing. Nick, did you, did you think of one on the fly? Those are your best ones usually. Your best I ones. I did. It's not, it's not much of a thinker, though. Usually I come up with a thinker on the fly. Okay. It's not much of a thinker. But I think we need to give uh, a little respect to the one week in, in the year where everyone in America cares about college basketball. It's the only week that everyone does. After next week, it won't matter. It's literally just this week. Justin, 
who is your upset pick? Who is your favorite upset pick of the first round of the tourney starting on Thursday? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to pull up my bracket. Here. I'll give you a second. I'll give you a second. I, I know. Have, so you give me yours while I pull up my bracket. Yeah. I so make, I did make a bracket. I, I know very think, little about college basketball. So, so do I. I have no idea. My I don't even know if it's that big of an upset. But the underdog team that I'm riding with until I, I, I will ride and die with it is Loyola. I will ride and die with Sister Jean until it gets until okay. it gets absurd. Right then, I'm not gonna ride or die. I should However, have run this I am one picking on the top Duke of my head. to win the whole thing because that. I am riding so or dying with Coach K. I also picked Duke to win the whole thing. Now that I'm looking, I should. The fact that I didn't on this one on the top of my head is, is, is uh, I'm ashamed of myself as a Miami Hurricane that I did not say right off the bat. Miami over USC okay. is my upset pick of the first round. It's the, it's the first time in, in in a while, certainly since I've been a Miami Hurricane, that the basketball team has been good enough to like really gung ho root for. Um, and again, as someone who's far more into the football scene than the basketball scene, uh, that hasn't been like necessarily a huge letdown for me as a hurricane. But I will say um, that I now that I am on my way out, about to graduate, uh, it's getting getting one last to raw to root for one of my hurricane teams uh, before before I graduate is certainly certainly fun. So I'm going to go Hurricanes over USC uh, for my first trend upset. I probably have the hurricanes going a bit further than I should in my bracket now that I'm looking at it again, but Hey, that's, that's, uh, that's what you got to do. And what you got to do. When and I want to go on the record too. Uh, I want to go on the record too and saying that I don't believe I actually have Loyola winning the next round, <laughs> but I haven't beaten Ohio state. Sister Jean. Oh, sister Jean. And I was really torn, uh, about Miami USC. I don't think I went with the hurricanes, but I was very that's torn hurtful. on it. That's hurtful. I'm very upset. No, about you'll it. be all right. I'm very upset about it. Thank you very much to everyone for joining the Aqua and Orange show this week. We can be found, like we mentioned, on Twitter at Higher Justin at OS6446. We are also found on YouTube as well. If you want the video version of this podcast, we live stream all of our shows. So if you're watching, if you're following us on Twitter, you could see when we're going live. You can stream us on YouTube, stream us on Twitter when we go live. And of course, or found everywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, and the like. So make sure, please go give us a review if you like what you're hearing. Subscribe so you don't miss any of our future shows. We'll be back potentially later this week, if not definitely next week, to break down all of free agency. Got to keep guys on your toes. To break down right. the rest of free agency. And we'll be getting many shows out over the next month or so to prep you for the draft. Everything you got to know Dolphins-wise up to the draft. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us so you can be up to date on that. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you all on the next show. Thanks, everybody.